And now it's signed to Eric instead of the Phantom for the first time. This is like Naughty Boy. Naughty Boy? Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And this week, we are talking about the Phantom of the Opera, but for a very specific reason. Yes. So last month on October 13th, Friday the 13th, Will and I did something that we called the Demon Drive, where we had a Friday night live hangout. Um, and a ton of you came, which was so awesome. And it was called the Demon Drive because we were also introducing clips from our Patreon to people and hoping that they sign up at the Demon Tier. And many did. Thank and you. they did. Thank you so much. And just kind of giving a little preview. So one of the things that we did was uh, play a game. And the stakes were that whoever wins gets to choose a topic for the loser to cover, yes. which can obviously include things that they might not like because that makes it funny. Yes. So, the you know, you want to pick something that the loser really doesn't want to do. You want to have some uh, some reason to fight to, to right. really win. Yeah. Um, you have to want to live. Uh, but Kristen uh, forgot how much of a destroyer I am. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Will crushes in like... Any game he plays. Let's not all also don't forget though. I don't want to downplay how strange it is that you can't hold your breath. Or no, you did fine no, with holding your blinking. breath. Blinking, you couldn't even go like five seconds without no, blinking. I could that not was a weird one. do it. And actually the other day I noticed myself not blinking for a little bit. And I was like, let's see how far I can let this ride. And it couldn't go very long, but I was like, if only I'd had that power. If only. If only. Last month, but I didn't have it. So Will absolutely swept the floor with me. He he could uh, not blink way longer than me. He could hold his breath just a little bit longer than me. And what else? We played some games Which like we on played the trivia murder party. Mm -hmm. And yeah, but so I did end up sweeping the games. He mopped the floor with me. Uh, but I also uh, I didn't really know what to pick to punish Kristen. <laughs> I, do you feel punished? Was this a no. chore? Damn it. Shockingly, though shockingly no so will picked the phantom of the opera because he has I, I have as he recently pointed out to me recency bias which i haven't heard of before but it's where you don't like things that are old yeah yeah <laughs> but specifically entertainment wise at least for me is it for everything or is is that a phrase for entertainment? no I, I think it's i think i've largely seen it used for entertainment at least yeah only entertainment if it's um, like old grainy black and white made in the 30s and stuff chrissy tends not to have any interest in that and i, I'm I get more it turned off by it than, i get it yeah like modern stuff has modern pacing and modern storytelling conventions yeah and the further back you go people were still figuring it out and right. there are, you know 20 minutes of credits before the movie starts it's yes it's all backwards. I'm not proud of it. I think it makes me sound a little bit stupid, but it is just a fact. So that's what's going on. No, I think on. it's fine. I, I think it's basically fine too. But so Will Asami Phantom of the Opera. Okay. I am truly genuinely shocked. Okay. I really liked it. I watched Good. the 1925 silent Phantom of the Opera. Wow. And when I say silent... <laughs> Do you think there's... Well, I, I can't say it giving a hypothetical. I would assume a lot of silent films, the way that they're presented today, because a true silent film was they were able to capture the image and then if there was any audio at all, right. anywhere, it was like somebody playing a keyboard, a mm -hmm. keyboard, somebody playing a piano yeah. 
in the room while the movie was playing. Yes. So there was never audio married with footage. Right. In a lot of those cases. Right. Uh, so even some of like, if you look, watch like Nosferatu today, my understanding is that that's like score that somebody edited on top of the film. It may yeah. have been score like of music written for the movie, but mm-hmm. it's not as if it was screened and they had audio playing. Yeah, they, they didn't have the capability of recording picture and sound at the same Simultaneously, time. Simultaneously, yeah. So they together. This was... 100 percent silent okay there was no pin I, drop I, silent yeah i mean i really thought that there was going to be some music behind it like they have like a charlie chapman movie or something you hear music even though you see him just like waddling around or whatever real quick what's his name charlie chaplin okay i thought he said charlie chapman <laughs> maybe i thought that it would be the worst thing in the world but i was curious <laughs> yeah um but no this was completely silent which i didn't know when i started it like even when i set out to watch it i was like okay so it's like a really old movie and then it, i saw it's a silent movie and i was like ah oh, crap i do but i do I, like the idea of you being in a room where you have to watch a silent film that <laughs> I, i'm bummed that you seem to view it all favorably and i'm curious to find out how it all went I'm and shocked. admittedly i don't know anything about the fan of the opera so this all backfired because you know that i like to like get in the we i like to look at old stuff i know but because of this i had to sit on my hands and yeah, I, you, you really just pranked yourself i pranked myself because i didn't this week, Kristen specifically, I don't know how you ended up having this power over me. Well, Last week, we'll Kristen s- told me that I'm not allowed to do any research for this episode. No, because it completely negates the whole premise of our contest that one person gets to chill and the other person has to do something crappy. I don't, I, I don't chill. <laughs> <laughs> I like to know. You have to. Well, I'm going to tell you. All right. Um. So anyway, I was like, oh, God damn it. And I, I went into it assuming that, you know what, why don't I watch this up to basically when when the phantom reveals his real face and then i will switch to the 1940 something universal version of this which has sound has dialogue all of that and i was like but i'll just get a feel for it and i ended up liking wow. this silent movie i'm That's great. really surprised I'm so first of all recommend not recommend shockingly i recommend it you recommend a nearly 100 year old movie yeah wow. uh-huh it's from 1925 i truly and often i'll recommend things with caveats but i can recommend it kind of like blindly because i would say if i hadn't seen it for me i'd be like no you wouldn't like that i didn't think i would and i really did that's great how how so, long is it it is uh about an hour a little less than an hour and a half I oh think wow! I'm surprised like, it's that long. To be me honest, me too. Yeah. Me too. I think it's like 125-ish or something. I, I have to admit, I don't think I really know much of anything about the Phantom of the Opera. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So, what what do you got? I, I honestly, I, I can recognize the Phantom of the Opera as a boy. Oh boy! You know, like a, a, a an an icon that feels like such a weird <laughs> word no, no. in mm-hmm. today's parlance. I know like he's not iconic. But it's like he is. But he's the, an icon of like the early Hollywood monsters. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, wearing the little white mask. Yeah, and playing the the organ, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I know that there was a Broadway play that was tremendously successful, or is tremendously successful. Don't know. It was the longest running play on Broadway, but it stopped in 2012. Oh wow! Okay, mm-hmm. and um, I know that when we lived in Missouri. We saw a production of it done at the local Y. Yeah. 
uh, which made us laugh. I wonder if mom remembers that or not. So much. <laughs> Our mom is watching the live feed, which is at youtube.com slash pod. That's right. We do subscribe. it live every week. Yep. But so uh, never having seen the original Phantom of the Opera, certainly not the Broadway version. Yeah. I imagine there was a scene where the Phantom teaches a woman how to sing or they have some sort of a duet. I mean, maybe. So I, I have seen the Broadway show, I realized twice, because I got it as a birthday present, first of all, from a family member who doesn't know me at all and is not in our lives anymore. <laughs> and um, then I went... Doesn't know me at all. Was it the same family member that gave me like an Eagles cassette and then a Bruce Springsteen album? Yes, yes. That had Radio Nowhere on it? Yes. <laughs> Correct. Okay. She sucks. We're not just being mean. She's terrible. No, she's, we're, we're, it turns out we're related to a big pig turd someday i'll tell someday we'll tell the story of the pig <laughs> trust trust me it's warranted yeah it's very bad yeah. but anyway um so yeah i went with her to see it uh at some point in life and then my friend got tickets for her birthday my dear friend rosie um and i went with rosie to go see it again she asked me to go and while we were online for it the man who was standing in front of us, I've I've seriously never seen anything like this before or since, and this is 100% true. The man in front of us in the ticket line was flexing his butt cheeks one at a time, just boom, 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 just in line for tickets, lights on, you know what I mean? There's no cover of darkness. He was wearing like khakis and a sweater or something and just flexing them. It, it was so crazy. Rosie and I were like, dying laughing and like stifling it it was so nuts um, like when what like when a like when a, an american gladiator flexes their pecs one after the other or it, something i can't tell you i mean if <laughs> it's hard to believe it's like why would that guy be doing that it really happened it was so weird that's so bizarre it was unbelievably so bizarre. i i totally blew it because i picked a punishment for you not realizing that you're like a phantom of the opera nut I'm you've seen multiple productions this is abs I feel ripped off. This is this is garbage. <laughs> I'm a phantom stand. Well, I remembered like nothing about it. I'm not kidding. Like I basically remember that guy. Yeah. And I remember uh um what do you call this? It crashes in clue. Um, chandelier. It falls a chandelier. chandelier. A chandelier falls down. That's like the big centerpiece okay. of the thing. I'm not kidding. I didn't remember anything. And I wrote down what I vaguely remembered going into this. And to be fair, it could be ha this what ha this is what happens in the Broadway play. Yeah. Um, but I was like, this is basically all I know about it, my guess. Well, so um, so real quick, mm -hmm. so I, I never saw the Broadway play, but we did see this production at the Y, <laughs> the YMCA, I we guess, sure right? did, like yep. in, in Missouri. Mm -hmm. And instead of having a scene, and again, I'm making a major assumption, because I don't know anything about the the actual show. Yeah. But uh, uh, there was a, indeed a scene in the Y version. Oh, there sure was. Where the Phantom is going to teach a person mm -hmm. how to sing. And his the song he chose seemed like it was dumbed down because perhaps the YMCA Missouri 1997 performers weren't adept to do an opera. Perhaps, and I, I have to say, I think that this didn't happen in the Broadway versions. Oh, I'm I sure feel, this didn't happen well, not, in the Broadway versions. But because I feel like I would have run back and told you, like, oh my oh. god, they did the Bobo thing. Okay, and they yes. I didn't. He goes, he basically is like, I shall teach you my ways of singing, <laughs> and then there's a swell from you know a Casio keyboard somewhere nearby, and he goes. The woman. 
And it goes back and forth. It goes back Will and forth and I, forever. For the rest of your life, they just sang Bo 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 to each other. We still do that, like all the yes, time. It's true. It was so <laughs> this funny. Was, this event was like 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just about. I couldn't stop thinking about the Bo Bo Bo's. That's mostly what I know about Phantom of the Opera. Is Bo 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 Bo. Yeah. Um, but there is modern context for me as well. Uh-huh. Uh, Zoe has a book. It's very strange. She has a little golden oh, yeah. book of universal monsters. But for some reason, they're not just universal monsters. They're Funko Pop right. universal monsters, which is bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. But every page presents a different monster. So it'll be like the the Frankenstein monster. And it's like, you know, every monster's, you know, every monster remembers the, their first steps. Yeah. And it's like Frankenstein clomping off the table or whatever. Yeah. And the Phantom of the Opera, it says monster... Or, monsters never let a mask hide their happy face but when i read to zoe i try to do a bunch of voices so i'll be like dracula like uh, many monsters bites are worse than their barks like Mm -hmm. i try to do a little a little extra sauce on it and for phantom of the opera i'm curious to know if this if the, the man talks like this at all well i don't know i always say uh monsters never let a mask hide their happy face I do. I like it's like it. a it's like a Jiminy Glick down and up. Yeah. Hide the happy face. Yeah. Which I think is always fun. She's never laughed at it once. Don't know if she cares or notices, but it keeps me entertained while I'm reading Funko Pop Universal Monster Golden Books. Sometimes it's just for you. Thank you. You know, I don't know what he sounds like because it was a completely silent movie. Oh, you know, you didn't see in the the. Oh. oh no this took forever william because it was a silent movie <laughs> okay, i kept so having to pause it to write things down i couldn't just be going or anything yeah this took a million years to do okay so no i did not check out any other things however i found out what was different between it and the book which okay. is very little great and uh yeah okay so here is what i thought that i knew about the phantom of the opera before i watched this movie uh, that there was a dude who lived beneath an opera house who has some sort of issue with his face. Maybe he was burnt. So he keeps half of it covered. Um, and I thought that in the original movie, he doesn't have it covered and his face is just freaky. Incorrect. He does have a mask at first, the which I will tell you about. Mask, yeah. Um, and I said, I think he falls in love with one of the opera singers from hearing her voice or something mm. and goes up and sees her Yes, and she's freaked out by him, but eventually they fall in love and he's like misunderstood and they sing music of the night. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. That's all I knew. That is not what happens in the 1925 version. They do not fall in love. Oh, okay. But I'll tell you about this. So it's unsurprisingly in black and white. And during silent movies, the way that they would convey like plot and what's going on besides just people acting and doing it very broadly because they need to like show as much as they possibly can since they can't actually speak. Not only just speak, but because it's in black and white. Right. You have to really exaggerate your movement too to make sure there's plenty of contrast so people can read the action on the screen. Right. And I was very glad that one guy had like kind of a weird hat because it could distinguish me from all the other mustache white guys there. Um, 
other than that, I was like pretty lost. Right. But um, but yeah, so they will then have like basically a title card come on the screen mm. that has dialogue and very little dialogue. It'll be like maybe two sentences max because it has to be fairly big so yeah. everybody can see it. And anyway, that's how it goes. So as I'm telling you this, I will tell you some of the um, dialogue cards verbatim because sometimes they're just written in such like an old timey way that's like either really awesome or really funny. Um, but just to set the scene in case anybody doesn't know like how a silent movie worked basically so when we open um everybody's like getting ready for an opera at the opera house or whatever and everybody looks pretty awesome like a bunch of the dudes are wearing eyeshadow like robert stack not all of them or they're wearing it to you know varying degrees of smokiness Mm -hmm, opacity mm -hmm. and um the women aren't which i thought was weird because when i saw the men first i was like oh they must have felt like they needed to do it to define their eyes so you can see them like stage makeup. Sure. Like you were like a buttload of blush or whatever. But then this like whole troupe of ballet dancers came out and they weren't wearing it. And I was like, so why are we doing this? Yeah, I don't know. But whatever. So people around the opera are saying that the phantom came up from the cellar. So we're pretty early on just being like the phantom is a thing that like everybody in this opera house knows exists. Are they interpreting him? And maybe you don't even, maybe they don't know at this point. Is he literally, he's not a ghost. Are they saying he's a ghost or are they saying he's somebody that lives like in below, like he's a monster below They're Maybe maybe a little bit of confusion, but like kind of like he must be some sort of supernatural being. Okay, so, okay. Or just like a guy who has, I guess, abilities to be supernatural. Because, for example, like in the troupe of ballerinas who are talking about him, one girl is like, he came up. We're so freaked out. He had no nose. And then another girl, I don't think she says it. I think they just... Sh- she mimes it. She's like, no, and shows like a huge nose. And oh. so it's like people, you know, people are either seeing different things or just like anything. Like people get panicked and they think they see different things. But so Ooh, among I the people that. who work at the opera house, there's just a lot of confusion about like what's going on here. Who even is this person? I, you know, I love some like, you know, contradictory claims from people some like folkloric here's what happened no here's what happened urban legends yeah folklore blair witch right misunderstanding it sounds like they all accept that there is something Something. in the basement yes and they just hope he doesn't come up he's a legend like the phantom came up you know what i mean a rumor that's great it's really excellent well um and then well i wouldn't know would i (laughs) no you wouldn't you wouldn't, because that's not how our contest worked. Because for your punishment, you got to discover something awesome. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to change the rules after the fact? I know. This I is know. what you you're want? You're right. You're right. I, I made my bed. <laughs> you. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be awesome. You didn't think so. It's just luck and happens. I guess I just shouldn't be so good at games. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Anyway. Um, someone is like, oh, let's go talk to my brother, Joseph. He like knows a lot about the Phantom. He's been at this theater for a long time. And they go to talk to this guy who seems to be maybe some kind of like prop guy. And he's working on a head, like a human head that looks pretty real. Cool. And he even makes its eyes blink. What? And I was thinking, like, I can completely see this freaking out people in 1925. Sure. Oh, yeah. Like... It's pretty scary. Uh And he says that the Phantom is like a scary looking dude with skin like yellow parchment. So stuff starts to kind of pop off with the Phantom with a signed note 
that he slips to somebody. He signs it the Phantom. <gasps> Excellent. It's so awesome. I had no idea how big a role notes were going to play in this. Oh, okay. Which makes a lot of sense because it's printed words that you can put on the screen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also, he's just like dropping them places for people to find. So they're like, he was here, but I didn't see him, but he left something, which like makes it scarier. The Phantom. So he writes a, a letter to this lady who must be like a big wig at the theater and whose daughter is supposed to sing a main role in the opera saying that um, he, he's basically saying to her, your, her, your daughter Carlotta will not be doing this song, but Christine, somebody else who's in the company is doing it. And if it doesn't happen, I will wreak havoc on her career. And the mom is like, oh, hell no. She's singing the song. But then Carlotta comes down ill, so she doesn't sing it, and Christine does sing this big song, Marguerite. I could not 100% tell whether the song is called Marguerite or whether the character's Marguerite, because they always say she's going to sing Marguerite. So I couldn't tell if that was the song Sounds name. Sounds like the song, but yeah, I know what you mean. Or if it's like she's acting marguerite she's singing marguerite. so this is weird he's like a, a an art lover a theater lover yes. lurking somewhere in the building mm -hmm. forcing people to produce things the way that he'd like them to be produced or he will like poison them and make them sick yeah i guess so this first one which is a little foreshadowing it's not clear it, at least it wasn't to me whether carlotta actually got sick or something okay um or she did fake it and like stay out or whatever but the mom seemed so hardcore about how carlotta will not do this that it kind of seemed like she really did get sick i think there was just a title card that said like carlotta fell ill yeah so blah 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 remind me it, this mm -hmm. this is based on a book yes it's a book from 1910 i believe i'm just scrolling way down in my notes uh, to find that. That was written by Gaston LaRue. Gaston LaRue? And they're really... <laughs> they're really only tiny changes between this first movie in 1925 and the book, um, which I'll get to after describing the movie because they kind of spoil some stuff. Okay, okay. Um, but it's pretty faithful. But then uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's production of The Phantom of the Opera on Broadway is like very different um basically what i wrote in the beginning about like them eventually falling in love is true and um, of, of that version of the theater version yeah, okay. yeah he's like a misunderstood guy like everybody's scared of him but they don't really have to be or something that was he what... does have a dark side though but okay. like i don't know his, but like more like of... beauty and the beast he's got a a, a good core in yeah, there in yeah. the modern versions see that was what i was afraid of too because i've always known of Phantom of the Opera being referred to as a universal monster. Right. So even the, the, the part of the reason why I picked this punishment was that I knew that you, uh, if it wasn't made in the last two decades or so, maybe <laughs> no, the 80s. Uh, no. Uh, you can't handle it. I go back it. further. Um, but I was like, we'll do a universal monster. 50s and down. And then I was like, universal monsters are kind of cool though, except I know of several universal productions that don't fit the bill. Uh-huh. And Phantom of the Opera, I always assumed that it was actually about the fact that he's secretly a good, kind man. It's just right. that his face has been horribly disfigured. And so I was like, is it also just like an insensitive, like he's a monster mm -hmm. because he looks different? Right. And and I was like, is it, it's really just the hunchback of Notre Dame or something, which spoiler alert, I also don't know much about and also believe that he has a universal monster adaptation. And Lon Chaney plays him as well. That's right. And so it's like, oh, he's secretly a lover 
a love or a love man. Right. I mean, he's going a, even in the play version. I believe. By the way, he's not a good guy in this at all. Good. I'm. Um, I'm glad to hear that. No, in the play version, even though she ends up being like, "Oh, I understand him." It's like he's not good. You know what okay. I mean? Like yeah. he's been like obsessed with her and basically stalking her. I, I'm sure that if you were to look back at the play, it's probably very problematic. Okay. Um, but she does end up being like, oh, I see your passion or something. Yeah. Okay. So, but no, in this, he's a bad guy. And what's her name? The focus? Christine. Christine. Okay. So she ends up singing because of Carlotta being sick and um, there are two dudes who are watching this from a box seat. And so this is how you meet Raul, who is her boyfriend. Okay. And he's sitting with somebody who's like, oh, I've heard Christine is a little bit more interested in this secret admirer than she is in you lately, Raul. And he's like, hmm. And then after the show is over, he go Raul goes back to Christine's dressing room to like give her a smooch. And um, she's kind of blowing him off a little bit. He's like, oh, now that you sang the big song, you've you've accomplished what you set out to do. You can leave the opera now and become my wife. And she's like, no, mm. I love the opera and I'm not doing that. That wasn't my swan song, chump. I, I, no, yeah. no. So he leaves and he's standing outside the door, just kind of like being pissy or whatever and listening. And... um. The title card then says that a melodious voice like that of an angel came through the walls to Christine. And it says to Christine, tonight I placed the world at your feet. To you, I've imparted the full measure of my art. All of Paris will worship you. But I warn you, you must forget all worldly things and think only of your career and your master. Whoa. Soon, Christine, the spirit will take form and command your love. And this isn't a surprise to Christine. She's definitely talked to this voice before. She was like waiting for it. And Christine is basically like, hell yeah. Like she doesn't look upset or anything. And she says, call for me when you will. I'll be waiting. So this is weird. This, she, is, a, this is a weird story. It's so weird. So she uh, sends a card to Raul telling him that she can never talk to him again because the phantom said like, you have to be all his. Or it's, it's the exact opposite, which is also not great. Right. No. Like, uh, uh, you must okay great you sing your big these guys song are now saying, you can settle down and, and be my wife and that's that's it that's mm -hmm. all you will be um, both saying the same thing in different ways yes or you're all about the business and your career will be great which sounds good on paper sure but of course your master I shall be yeah your master no thank <laughs> you I'm good I'm all right. I know. So then, um, but like, it's not like Christine just has this role forever now. She was like Carlotta's understudy or something. She yeah, got yeah, to do yeah. that one time. So then it's a little repetitive, but uh, Carlotta's mom gets another letter, sa exact same deal, basically, and shows the owners in their office. And uh, again, she says like, there's no way I'm not doing that. Like, screw this or whatever. So she leaves. As she's leaving, like you're looking at the whole office, you see a hand come out from like behind a curtain and drop another letter onto the manager's desk and then awesome. like flourish his way oh, out. Excellent. The Phantom has got some style. Oh, he absolutely. It's just for him yeah, a lot. Uh -huh. There are other things that come. So um, and the, the note, he says that. Uh, it, in the note, he says that they should take him seriously and not let Carlotta sing or else he's going to curse their opera house. 
Okay. So the next night. It already is. P.S. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Like, what must that mean? How much worse could it get? But Carlotta does go on to sing the next night. They don't take him seriously because her, his, uh, her mother was pushing her. And while she's singing, and this is awesome, the lights start flashing on and off on the stage and in the whole theater. And everybody's kind of freaked out and looking around, but they come back on and it's okay. So Carlotta kind of like pulls it together and like keeps singing her song. It happens again and again. And until, as the title card says, behold, she is singing to bring down the shant. Oh, I know what it is. It's, <laughs> you see his shadow. It, it is the title card. But you see his shadow like gesticulating so you can tell it's him talking. Excellent. And it's behold, she is singing to bring down the chandelier. And the chandelier comes crashing down on the audience in their seats. The audience? Not yes. her? No. Creating complete chaos and melee. So people were already starting to freak out again because the lights would stop, start doing yeah. that flashing thing. By like the third time they're flashing, people are starting to get up and be like, what's going on? And then Shangela comes crashing down. It looks awesome because it's all practical meaning not digital effects so it's a real giant chandelier that they had you know obviously safely whatever but like come down on well it's 1925 who the hell knows that's true but they have it come down on people and you see a rush of everybody running for the doors and it's like pretty alarming and again all silent and i'm in i'm fascinated yeah i think i'm going to be watching this i'm shocked quick question for you have you been watching chucky no, it I sounds will. like it sounds like a, a non sequitur and a total aside. Mm-hmm. In the most recent season of Chucky, there's a whole episode, and this is in the pro the previews. Oh, yes, I saw a picture of him dressed like the Phantom of the Opera. Yes, it's a Halloween party at the White House. The Chucky series crushes everybody. It mm-hmm. rules. Chuck- I've seen the first two seasons and I loved it. Yeah, Chucky is a great show. Yeah, uh, it's just like very inventive and like that kind of horror where it's just like it's just fun yeah man and it's stupid and they know that and they're <laughs> right. having fun so he's it. at the white house and the white house has a big halloween party and chucky is wearing the phantom of the opera mask but they use it not just to silly effect although this is silly too but like a character keeps almost as if they think they're seeing visions uh-huh like chucky will just be standing in the middle of like everybody partying at this halloween event and then he'll just be standing there staring at somebody and yeah. walk away and his cloak just trails away mm-hmm. and it's chucky the killer doll of course it's so silly but they play it like an ominous figure who's doing things in the wings yeah to create mayhem and the white house has chandeliers yeah Kristen, i'm like Do blown away by crashing? what you're telling me i don't want to spoil a damn thing okay but i i I'm fascinated by what you're telling me and how faithfully Chucky appears to have <laughs> not only just used a Phantom of the Opera mask because it's silly to have Chucky dressed like an old, you know, Hollywood horror character. Yeah. But to actually embody some of the character of the Phantom of the Opera story. I am like yes. aghast and in shock and impressed. I mean, I, I would think that they would do no less. I'm I'm thrilled. Don Mancini knows what he's doing. He does. Don Mancini. He's the guy behind Chucky. Damn. Is like Don Mancini is like in my eyes like a a, an a incredible, goat a goat yeah yes like stuck with it 
He's the the sole person aside from that one weird remake. Yeah, yeah. He's the sole person. He created Chucky and he has written every single entry. He got into directing by just sticking with Chucky. Yeah. And now they're three seasons deep in a show that is so inventive and fun. And it's been, what are we talking about here? Almost 40 years of one continuity. Oh, Again, aside from that one weird reboot. Right. It's like the last one left. Yeah. It's incredible. It's amazing. Um, so there is, in all this chaos, they show this kind of mysterious fellow who's wearing a different hat than everybody else. Thank thankfully. God. Yeah. And he's not the phantom, but he's like a kind of mysterious presence who isn't panicking when everybody else is running for their lives. And like, what's his deal? And Raul knows it must have been the phantom. He knows something's up with this because he he heard, remember, Christine talking to him in his room. And so Raul runs to Christine's dressing room, hoping he can talk to the phantom. But Christine comes in right after him. But she doesn't see him. Raul's kind of like tucked behind something. So he just kind of like freezes. And he hears the phantom say, it's time, Christine, come to me or whatever. And she's like, yes, master. And he tells her to go through her mirror in her dressing room and to have no fear. And her mirror like opens up like a door and she goes through it and it closes behind her. And Raul starts pounding on it and trying to go in after her to help, but he can't. And now Christine is inside with the phantom. Two flashbacks you just gave me. Okay. One, I believe the bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo-bo song is around a mirror. Oh, I don't remember. So it may have been to dramatize her coming over to his way. Maybe. And this also makes me think, which Scream 3 was attempting to do, that uh, at the end of Scream 3, they go to a big old mansion and, you know, disappear into secret corridors inside the walls. Mm -hmm. Scream 3 was half acidly, admittedly, talking a lot about old horror. Yeah. Like 50s B-movies. And yeah, I think trying to evoke some of this like classic old mansion horror. Yeah. And that just made me think of it as well. Like yeah. being behind the mirror is what happens to uh, Piper Perry. What's her name? <laughs> um, in the movie or in real life? Jennifer Jolie in the movie. It. I love her. Why am I blanking? Parker Posey. Parker Posey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she's like, I'm in the mirror. I'm in the mirror doing. Made me think of that. Yeah, that's right. Um, all right. I want to hear more. I know. I was about to say what will happen to Christine in the chambers. Yes. We'll find out after we tell you about patreon.com slash GTTU pod, where you can go to support the show and get a ton, ton, ton of bonus stuff in return as our thank you for doing that. Yes. This episode is sponsored by us. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, patreon.com slash GTTU is such a GTTU pod. Thank you. Yeah. Is such a fun little playground of podcast. For one thing, we always put up the uncut versions of the live recordings of these episodes. So some things that don't make the cut end up stored on our Patreon, including, you know, any show that we may do before or after where we talk with the audience and stuff. So go check that out. Mm -hmm. But yes, the Netherworld Dispatch, our second podcast, lives on there as well. Uh, And I can tell you that our most recent episode uh, was, uh, uh, well, it was called Happy Nooch Day, Willie. Uh, we had to celebrate. Happy Nooch Day. I turned 37 years old. Uh, you can still wish him happy birthday, by the way. Uh, no. Yes. Or. Snooch wh- to the Nooch Day. 
Oh, Snoogans. Um, what I said on that episode was that a great birthday present for Will would be to share work that Will has done that you have enjoyed. Oh, that would make me very be happy. Be it a podcast, be it something that Will wrote. If you shared that this week, I think that would be completely awesome. His birthday was on Monday of this week. You'll be hearing this on Friday. So what a gorgeous way to That would make end. me very happy. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Chrissy. Of course. Uh, and yes, definitely share Guide to the Unknown. I'm very proud of this show and I love doing it. Yeah, me too. Uh, so spread the good word. Mm -hmm. But so on Happy Nooch Day Willie, the episode, uh, we looked at horror Kevin Smith stuff. So I was just talking about Scream 3 uh, in terms of Phantom of the Opera connections. Well, guess what? Boy, yeah. Jay and Silent Bob show up in Scream 3. And then bizarrely, in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, the movie... Uh, they walk onto the set of seemingly Scream 4. Right. Where uh, Ghostface is unmasked and it's a monkey. It suggests all <laughs> sorts of things about universes folding in on each other and yes. we discussed that. And we, we talked all about it. So all yeah. this uh, Kevin Smithy horror. I know that we've actually, I'll tell you what, we've gotten some uh, Tell Em Steve Dave folks because I've done a few shows. Oh great, hello. With them at this point. I think they might enjoy that. Patreon.com oh, slash GTTUpod. You get, you get Patreon. Number of tiers. Yeah. Find the one that fits. The top tier right now, the demon tier, gets you a new episode of the Netherworld Dispatch every single Monday. Mm -hmm. It also has commentary tracks for all of the Twilight movies. Yes. Uh, we start, also have... Start with Twilight, not Scream, <laughs> which we also have. Yes. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, and I have a review uh, for us, and this is a fun one. This is a very nice one. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. There's zero uh-oh to this, oh. <laughs> but you're just, you're going to be surprised by something in it. Okay. Um, from amateur poetry enthusiast who says, gotta love these spooky sibs. I'm a big fan of spooky stuff ranging from true crime to supernatural things. However, I've only relatively recently gotten into horror. I was always a scaredy cat growing up and unable to watch a scary movie without terrible nightmares afterwards. So as I venture into the horror genre in all media, Guide to the Unknown is like the kind guiding hand that gives me the inside scoop. Besides that, Kristen and William are so stupidly funny and sweet, and I love hearing their perspectives on things I already know about or things I'm learning about for the first time. Thanks for being a friend during COVID and beyond. Heart, heart, heart. Thank you so much. And actually, the author of that review is in the live chat with us right now, Maggie. Oh. Maggie, thank you so much. Thank you, Maggie. That's well so nice. What a nice review guess what it's not done because this is a comprehensive review check this out okay update october 20th 2023 edit i have been listening for at least a year now and my thoughts have not changed how nice is this i have since joined their patreon their discord and regularly joined their weekly live recordings on youtube they've created an incredible community and i Aww. feel like i'm part of the weird spooky family Oh, I love that. That's Five stars. great. Thank you, Maggie, who's in the live chat right this second. Thank you so much. That is so nice of you. I'm so glad that you're in it. Yes. I agree. I think it's such a great community and group of people to be able to hang out with. And yes. I love it. Yes, I, I, I love it. Thank you all so much. Uh, I'm so glad that you're still with us and yeah. that you're enjoying uh, the shows that we make. Whether you've been here for a long time, whether you're brand new, yep. thank you so much for being here. Thank um, you. Uh, we've been uh, trying to develop a few things on the, the side going mm -hmm. forward. 
um, with Guide to the Unknown that I think are going to open a lot of amazing doors if they come through. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just so excited that you guys are so supportive. And thank you. I am too. I just want to say we have the Discord connected to Patreon. Um, at any tier on Patreon, we even have a $1 tier just for the Discord. You can get in that. And that's like a chat room that has like a ton of different categories. And people are talking in there like throughout the day, every day. It's such a nice group of people. There yep. are categories for like pretty much like everything that you could think of. And if you're not part of our Patreon, we do also have a Facebook group, which is free at facebook.com slash groups slash GTTU pod that also has awesome people. So you can connect with other people there. Yep. Um, yeah. It's just a really nice group of people all around. So maybe check one of those out if that's interesting to you. And and I love the idea that like in our little, in our little corner of the internet, mm -hmm. we've got like, if you join one of those two things, right, you, you've already got a shared yeah. interest set with the other people in there yep you know what i mean it, mm -hmm. it's it's nice the ice is like broken a little yeah bit. the ice is a little broken already totally. yeah yeah all right tell me about phantom of the opera okay so i mean this is wild stuff so now he has taken her you know into his catacombs or whatever and it looks very cool like the whole way so first of all you're going to this like you know um like stone basement area or something what i'm not surprised to see in there is a horse oh whoa okay so there's a horse um she seems she's not i find later but i thought at first she was like entranced or something christine like like, like a dracula's bride or something yes because right? he's and i think they're implying that in some way sort of because he's leaning her down these stairs and at one point she even leans back as she's walking like oh really and he's kind of holding her hand leading her down so it looks very very strange and um he gets her down there and she can see him and he's wearing he's wearing a mask now it's covering like his forehead his eyes and his nose what i was not prepared for were two aspects of it there is like a strange flappy part in front of his mouth not married to the rest of the mask it's like he put like a small thing of like rubber like a dental dam just like going all around the bottom rim of the mask and then he has a tiny little black hat on his head how tiny are we talking like terrifier i should say i should say a tight hat <laughs> oh, well, that's weird too yeah it, instead of being a instead of his mask being affixed by like a satin ribbon in the back or anything no it's like attached to like a very thin beanie oh really yeah that's how Baron Von Flanagan dresses. Yes, you're right. Well, Flanagan has a little <laughs> plastic skull mask that's attached to a hat he wears when he plays a little horror character he's got. So she now sees him and she's weirded out, but she's not running or anything. <laughs> and he says via the title cards, or they're not titles. What do you call that if not? I think uh, today we cards. would refer to something like that as a title. Yeah. I'll just keep saying because what I think. Um, he says on the title card, look not upon my mask, but think about the gift of beautiful music I've given you. And I guess she's like, okay. What did he do? I guess because. He gave he, her a stage by poisoning a child. That's what he's saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she faints and he puts her up on the horse and leads them into his lair. And it's a fun little sequence because they're going up and down these like crisscrossing staircases. It looks really neat. They go into the depths and she wakes up at some point during this and he helps her down from the horse and the horse just walks away somewhere. I hope that's fine. We'll never see him again. 
He's just living his life. And there is a black lake down there that they have to travel across in a gondola. What? And once they get to the other side, to his house, I guess, she goes in and the phantom with her in front, not even seeing him, opens his arms wide at a diagonal with flair as he follows her. He goes like... Oh, just... And then follows her in. She's in front. She can't she see can't that he's see doing that this. She can't see that he's flourishing This is back for there. him. Yes. And to, well, the, the real thing is to emote to the audience that he's pleased with himself or something. Yeah, he's feeling chuffed. But in that universe, he's just making flourishy moves and he's on a trip of his own. Yeah, this guy is on his own journey. This sounds like a very inconvenient place to live. You have to travel Definitely. by gondola under the streets of Paris. Yes. By the way, some like Paris catacombs type stuff, right? Just mm -hmm. like the city under the city. Yeah, you're... Fascinating. Yeah, you're totally right. So, um... <laughs> like she's now kind of freaked out um he says <laughs> yeah he says he's brought her there because he loves her and she's totally alarmed and like no 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 like that's what they have her kind of doing um i will say i don't know why she's so surprised he was speaking to her in a very loving and possessive manner mm -hmm. while she was above ground i don't really know why this is a shock to hear him say now but whatever She's also allowed to change her mind, but... Of course. Not having seen it, yeah. my feeling is thus. Yes. And again, it could be completely off base. Mm -hmm. We know that he has the means to dose people. Oh, right? interesting. Could she... Because you even described that he was like leading her hand underground and she was like leaning backwards. Yeah. Could she be on some sort of a sauce that he's provided? That's not ever they never say that but i think it's an interesting headcanon kind of thing because that would at least give some idea of like this all being sort of like dreamlike to her right or right. something yeah. and then realizing when that wears off like oh i'm in I the am. presence of uh <laughs> a nightmare this uh, is nuts who lives under the streets of paris and travels by gondola to torment an opera house right and has now collected me <laughs> That's correct. So she starts running around down there in sure. his little house uh -huh. and she runs into his bedroom, oh, no. which is a giant wooden coffin flanked by two huge taper candles, um, goals. It honestly looks awesome. He's sleeping in a coffin? Yeah, and there's a reason. She's scared by this and he says, this is my bedroom. It keeps me reminded of that other dreamless sleep that cures all ills forever. Whoa. Death. Um, and now at this point, I wrote, okay, I do like this, but I'm 37 minutes in and I have 53 more minutes to go of the silence and it's starting to feel rough. Oh, no. But I kept at it and also it came back. Okay, okay. Um, so at this point, she goes, you, you're the phantom. What? Again, I thought she yeah. knew that she was talking to the phantom. <laughs> that seemed evident. And was happy to be taking advantage of his phantomness because yeah. it was helping her. Right. So I was like, what the hell is going on here? And he says... If I am the phantom, it's because man's hatred has made me so. If I shall be, I have a typo. If I, sh oh, if I shall be saved, it will be because your love redeemed me. And he says he used to be known as Eric. Oh, that's weak. But that's, I, that's not enough. He needs to be Augustus Chode. It's Eric with a K at least. Okay. But still. And that he's lived down there as a nameless legend for years. And she faints and he picks her up and brings her to another bedroom in there with a bed carved to look like a ship and drapey fabric on the walls and ceiling. And it honestly looks awesome. Okay. And then they show us. At least he gave her her own bed. <laughs> I know. I thought the same because I thought he was caring to him. You're sleeping my coffin with that's me. That's what I thought at first. I was like, ew. Yeah. And then it goes to another room. Now they show us a newspaper that says opera singer mysteriously vanishes vanishes after chandelier disaster 
we come right back to her in the Phantom's Lair where she wakes up and she sees that he has put out a whole bunch of fancy pairs of shoes for her and a wedding dress and a veil. Uh She's got another one of the Phantom's notes uh, that was slipped under her door that says she's in no danger as long as she never touches his mask and that she'll be free as long as her love for the spirit of Eric overcomes her fear and now it's signed to eric instead of the phantom for the first time this is like naughty boy naughty boy you know naughty boy what from the black phone oh yeah it's like naughty boy yeah people not in the know i believe it's a scott derrickson movie Mm -hmm. it is outstanding it is an adaptation of a joe hill short story or novel Mm -hmm. and uh some man plays naughty boy Yep. Um, uh, Ethan Hawke plays Naughty Boy. (laughs) He wears like a devil mask and he uh, essentially needs people, the the kids that he kidnaps, he needs them to sort of like, he's got his own serial killer ritual. Yeah. And he needs the kids to play their part in that ritual. Yes. Otherwise he can't see it through to to his satisfaction, which is murder. Yeah. Uh, you know, serial killers have like loopy rules in movies speak mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So he needs the kids to play naughty boy. Yes. And try right. to escape, which gives him the justification to punish them. Right. It sounds like Phantom of the Opera is playing a bit of naughty boy. One, I find it very spooky that he's got all those shoes. It is. It's weird that he has a whole lot of shoes and one dress and veil. But Whose still. shoes are they? How many brides has he taken? That's a great question. Right. Don't touch my mask. Mm-hmm. That, and now I'd signed Eric. It's like she is part of some. Th- now, this could be that this is the first time he's ever done any of this, right. obviously. But like this, in, in modern horror speak to me, this feels like he has done this before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And he's got a whole world view where to some people he's the phantom, but he's becoming vulnerable with him and referring to himself as Eric. Yes. But it's all a very dangerous game because that mask is staying on. Mm-hmm. And that's the phantom. So what is the danger here? You got to step very carefully, Christine. Well, she doesn't. She almost automatically takes his mask off. Oh, shit. Um, she looks disturbed she's very like back and forth for a lot of this for like half the movie i was like is she gonna fall in love with him because she'll look disturbed and then she hears him playing the organ outside and she kind of like swoons and goes out there and he says he wrote this piece about their triumphant love it's called don juan triumphant you see that on the sheet music some incel stuff totally it definitely is yeah and he but i mean this guy is no good he's like oh it's very beautiful it's about our love but i caution you there's an ominous undercurrent of warning there so like you can't be chill for like a minute so he's the undercurrent is an overcurrent uh we we got it there's danger bro yes i know so he's playing away and while he's turned around doing that she takes his mask off so she basically comes out and instantly does it and he turns around and yells at her while she recoils in how in horror on the ground because he looks freaky as hell. Does he? Yes. I encourage everybody out there to just Google Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera. I'm pretty sure I know. I think you do. So yeah. he has, and I'm going to describe the makeup, by the way, because he did this himself and I think it's really interesting. So here I'm going to kind of pivot for just a moment to talk about the makeup because it's a thing. 
Um, so after he was the hunchback in Hunchback of Notre Dame yes, in 1923, this, yes. um, Don Chaney was once again in this given the freedom to create his own makeup. That's so a practice, cool. And by the way, I'm quoting from Wikipedia now. This isn't me. A practice which became almost as famous as the films he starred in. Chaney later commented, quote, in the Phantom of the Opera, people exclaimed at my weird makeup. I achieved the death's head of that role without wearing a mask. It was it was the use of paints in the right shades and in the right places, not the obvious parts of the face, which gave the complete illusion of horror. It's all a matter of combining paints and lights to form the right illusion. And this is how he did it. He it's, raised, it's outstanding. I mean, it really it really is. I'm looking at awesome. it right now and it's just it is ghoulish and ghastly and mm -hmm. it's fantastic. So what he did was he raised the contours of his cheekbones by stuffing wadding inside his cheeks he used a skull cap to raise his forehead height several inches and accentuate the bald dome of the phantom's skull. Pencil lines masked the joint of the skull cap and exaggerated his brow lines. Cheney then glued his ears to his head and painted his eye sockets black, adding white highlights under his eyes for a skeletal effect. He created a skeletal smile uh, by attaching prongs to a set of rotted false teeth and Ugh. coating his lips with grease paint. To transform his nose, Cheney applied putty to sharpen its angle and inserted two loops of wire into his nostrils. Guide wires hidden under the putty pulled his nostrils upward. Um, and those apparently made him bleed. Sometimes it was very uncomfortable. Oh, my God. Uh, when audiences first saw the movie, they were said to have screamed or fainted during the scene where Christine pulls the concealing mask away, revealing his skull-like features. And apparently... His... <laughs> this is awesome. This it's is totally awesome. awesome. It's been a hundred years and this rules. It really does. And apparently his depiction of the Phantom hues the most closely to what's described in the novel. Um but with like a, there are some departures. So in the novel, um, oh no, excuse me, this isn't a departure. Um, as in the novel, Cheney's phantom has been deformed since birth, rather than having been been disfigured by acid or a fire, as is the case in later adaptations. Right. So he, so she screams. She's freaked out by him. He grabs her by the hair on the floor and oh, says, God. "Feast your eyes, glut your soul on my accursed ugliness." And then he lets her go and he starts crying. He like yeah. runs away, like covering his face or whatever. And she says to him that if he loves her, he has to let her go and she'll still do his bidding forever. And he says he'll prove the depth of his love to her by letting her go from the time being. But to remember, she is his ultimately. And if she sees Raul again, she will kill them both. And Christine swears that she'll stick to that. He will kill them both. Yes. I, uh, yeah, this is, Wow. So what he had said previously about like the world made me the phantom mm -hmm. is probably partly true, right? Like it's his own insecurity about how he looks. Right. Coupled with how the world is cruel to people who are different. Yes. And that both those things combined to make him embody being the monster the world saw him as. Right. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. It is. And we find a little bit more about his backstory in just a little bit. So she does leave and it immediately cuts to a letter from Christine to Raul saying, I need to see you. Yeah. Um, at the, <laughs> the ball mask the next night, which is like their Halloween ball, basically. Oh, no. That's the most dangerous place to I see him. I know. I know. Everybody's like wearing a little mask yeah. and stuff. So I saw Chucky. Think, you would think that the Phantom could slip in. Yeah. 
uh, guess what? No, he could not possibly be more obvious and is apparently by design. So this ball is rowdy as hell. It's in the opera, which looks beautiful and ornate. This thing is gorgeous to look at, which I think really helps me yeah. like it because I'm very, I just like pretty things. And um, so you're seeing this like giant entrance to the opera hall or whatever, or the opera. And it's like gorgeous. People are like running around, falling over and stuff. And um, then the crowd parts because this person who's dressed fully awesome with a giant skull mask covering their entire head front and back uh, comes in who's wearing a giant jaunty hat with a huge feather in it. Carrying a staff with a skull on the top. Wow. Wearing like a Shakespearean like crazy outfit comes into the party and everybody's like, whoa, and totally kills the party. And um, he says to them, there's death below your feet. The red death, meaning himself, rebukes your merriment. And so Raul and Christine are like up on a balcony looking down at this. And Christine pulls him away. Like, we got to get out of here. And the red death, who is the phantom, hauls ass after them. So Raul and Christine go to the ceiling of the opera house and there is, again, it's great to look at. There is like a humongous statue of angels on the top of the opera house and it's like 50 times their size. It looks super cool. And they're, they're talking about the whole thing. And she's like, I saw the phantom. He's a loathsome beast. You have to save me, Raul. After he, he is a loathsome beast, but there are some weird, it's, it's weird. It is weird because yeah. guess what? While they're talking, you're seeing the whole scope of the, the um, not ceiling, the roof. And so you're seeing the whole sculpture. You're seeing them down there as ants. And I was like, is there something to flapping at the very, very, very top of this okay. humongous sculpture? And it's the phantom up there. That's amazing. With his like giant cave He's like waving. Batman. He is like Batman. And he's just like listening to them looking down and like looking mad and stuff. Just it stewing. Looks so cool yeah i'm watching i this. can't even tell you and so he hears the whole thing we need an affiliate plan. code we need an affiliate code for a 100 year old silent <laughs> movie that's free a bunch of places i watched it on tubi you're selling me you need a commission i know i really <laughs> i should um so their plan is that after tomorrow night's performance of their play faust is what they're doing oh okay um that they will flee to england together right after the show and so the phantom is like right up there grimacing as the breeze blows his cape around and it's totally sick awesome and uh then they're like what's that sound? Do I hear something? We should get out of here. And they don't see him or anything. And then they slowly and tenderly hug for a while, which makes me think they couldn't kiss like yeah, for a loud reason. Yeah, 1925, reasons. yeah. Yeah, what's that? thing called the, the Hayes code yes i don't know what year that i was don't in. either yeah. but like it had that kind of feel to it they 1925 just, was pretty early for cinema i'm not I what do i know i don't know yeah um so they head back inside and that mysterious guy from before the guy who had the hat that i could distinguish uh -huh. who didn't see a man in a weird hat who didn't that sounds like that an shocked. old like old hollywood <laughs> tip like when yeah. you're making a silent picture my advice put a man in a weird hat it helps the audience keep track i think it was yeah. it looked like it was like a velour hat like can you picture like a cheesy velour rug that has kind of like texture like in a wavy line or like it kind of looks like it sounds like a dumb and like dumber finger hat. waves yeah sort of yeah but like made of like velvet or something so jamiroquai hat Mm, no, no, it. That would be pretty surprising. I don't even had a brim <laughs> to see a Jamiroquai man. It was kind of like the hat of a monkey who grinds an organ wears. <laughs> a fez? Yeah, it was kind of like a fez, but taller. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so they're heading inside and that weird mysterious guy says, don't go that way, go this way, uh, to like avoid the phantom who has come back in, I guess. And it's like, who is this guy? Why does he know the deal? How do you know? So the next day, the managers are doing research on this whole deal in their like card catalog, I guess. And they pull out a legit index card that they show to the camera, obviously, that says, Eric, Born during the Boulevard Massacre, self-educated musician and master of black art. (gasps) Exiled to Devil's Island for criminal insane. Escaped. Now at large. And they give it to a cop. For criminal insane? Yeah. (laughs) Excellent. I know. So now it's show night. Um, Raul goes back to Christine's dressing room beforehand and she says she heard him again and he knows their plans, but she still wants to just like go for it because she's terrified and maybe they can get away. And it's so weird. She's crying. And first he's wearing like little white gloves. He uses his glove to like blot the tears and then he like licks his glove. What? And then she keeps crying and he does the same with a same thing with a hanky. He blots her tears and he kisses the hanky. Oh no. She's turning in one sickie for another. I know. That guy ain't right. Oh no. Um, Raul de la Noche. This is not good. It is not good. So he says, look, don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. I have the carriage waiting for us right outside. As soon as you're done on stage, you run right out to the carriage and we're going to get out of there. That'll work. Um, Don't go now. No. Well, she wants to do her big performance I know, again, I, I guess. Know. Must you? So backstage, a stagehand is getting ready for the show when he sees that somebody back there has been hanged. We just see the shadow Ooh, of somebody hanging. And it better. turns out that it's the guy from this the beginning of the movie who's like, yeah, I know some stuff about the Phantom. He's freaky looking, whatever. And so now there's an angry mob after this guy who really want to know who the Phantom is of like their stage crew or whatever. Um, and then... Uh, we see the Phantom's freaky hands replace two bottles in an area where people were like doing something. I think it might have been, it wasn't really clear to me. I think it might have been the people who were like driving the stagecoach or something okay. or like backstage people. He replaces those with two bottles of his own. So he's po- he's poisoning some backstage people now. MF is on a rampage. And oh my God, while Christine is on stage singing, the condu- I've also never seen this before. The conductor of the opera was sitting in a little box. You can see his whole deal. It looks like he's sitting on the toilet. He's like sitting on something. You can see his legs and his feet. He's in like a little stall, basically. It looks like the Pittsburgh toilet that's right by us now. The Phantom's hands come up, pull him down by the ankles. Whoa. So he like come kind of into falls- the toilet? Yes. <laughs> flushes him no and he like kind of falls through the floor and then he pops his head up in his place which christine can see and so she screams there's a whole commotion in the audience and on stage and then she's missing does he pop up in the mask or with his own face mask okay yeah yeah yeah. he's masked as much as possible um so Raul is upset and the mystery guy says, if you do exactly what I say, I can take you to Christine. And it turns out that he is a secret policeman who has been tracking the Phantom for months and he knows where the cellar is and everything. Whoa. So they go down there. That is one of the few departures from the book. In the book, this mysterious guy is present, but it turns out that he is a a former friend of the Phantom. Okay. And so he knows some stuff. They just made him a policeman for this for whatever reason. It tidies things up. Yeah. Um, so we see Christine in the Phantom's chambers and he's like, did you and your lover really think you could cheat the Phantom? And her hair is now down for the first time, which shows a vulnerability in her, but like a scary one. Like he's like, you know, she's in a bad position. And, uh, he says, 
or I guess I was paraphrasing because I wrote, he's like, I made you. Now you'll see the evil inside that makes me look like shit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he says, no longer like a toad in these foul cellars will I secrete the venom of hatred for you shall bring me love. So wow. oh, the guys, no. Raul and the mystery guy are making their way through to get to them. And uh, looking for Christine, they end up falling through a trap door that uh, this is awesome. Oh, and by the way, the guy told um, I, I think I skipped it or something. The police guy told Raul that the chambers that he's in, that the Phantom lives in, were torture chambers during the Second Revolutionary War. Oh, my God. And so they fall through this hole in the floor to, like, a room full of mirrors and, like, giant fake trees. And the police guy is like, oh, this is one of the torture chambers that they used. And at first I was like, kind of doesn't seem that torturous. It sounds like a, it sounds like a prop room. It, it looks like a prop. It's honestly quite neat looking. Yeah. Um. So, you know, they're looking around. It doesn't really seem so bad. But wait, they hear music because they are near the Phantom's room. And so the Phantom is like vibing out to music in there and like kind of like petting christine's hair it's so weird yeah. um now another guy they show has found the underground chambers and he's calling for raul maybe they left the door open in christine's dressing room or something this alarm goes off in the phantom's actual room and it's like a cat that has arms that go up i guess when somebody is there and the phantom is like Oh, I got to go take care of business. And he grabs something from the wall. It was like this long stick with something on the end that I wrote down is a shillelagh, huh. which is like an Irish like beating stick kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm wrong. It's something that I could have never guessed in a thousand million years. What he grabbed is a snorkel. A sn oh, my God. Oh, no. It's like an old-timey wow. snorkel. Oh, because he he's has going to, Jason Voorhees on Because he has to go through the Black Lake undetected. He's going to swim so in the waters. So he puts it in his mouth, and you just see the, the stick of this snorkel like going through the Black Lake. He really Lake. is Batman. He's Batman. And so he goes up to that guy who made his way down there, who admitted to the gondola, and the Phantom pulls him under. <sighs> guy's, guy's dead. It's not good. Um, <laughs> so while that's happening, Raul... The cop and Christine are now yelling to each other because they've realized that the rooms are nearby. And when the phantom comes back, first of all, I feel like he's starting to like crack or dissociate because he comes back sopping wet and immediately goes to sit at the organ to play. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't even acknowledge Christine or anything. Yeah, he's frantic. Yes. So she goes and like grabs something. It's hard to see what it is. It looks like it's a bag of something. I guess to like maybe try to knock him out, but he sees and he yells at her. And Raul on the other side of the wall can't stand that because that's his love. And he yells, which gives himself away. So the phantom looks through this like little hole in his wall and he's like, ah, oh, I see them. And he turns on like a fire in there. What? Like he this rings heats a bell. The, he heats the room up. I think I read this book or like a like a an adaptation for kids or something like that. This rings Maybe. a bell. Yeah. He heats the room up and now they are absolutely sweating their asses off. So now it is a torture. Oh, it's just room. it's just sweaty. <laughs> it's yeah, not. they're no they're not set on fire. He like he's like, Oh, how will you like this heat? <laughs> not that. And like makes it really hot. <laughs> what was the other one you said? Like, now I'll show you what makes me feel shitty. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> this is why I look like shit or whatever. <laughs> and now I will admit to you why I look like shit. 
That's great. What a great line. So now the torture room is not good. They're stumbling around and they're going nuts. It's like they've been drugged or something. And Christine is devastated and freaking out, begging the Phantom for their lives, uh, who says they only have a few minutes to live. So she better come up with an offer for him to save them. Oh, boy. But... They end up finding a trap door in the mirror room. Uh-oh. That mirror room has like a bunch of sand on the bottom of it. And they notice sand going through a little hole. And they just scooch it all aside and there's a trap door. So they go down into this other room and there are these barrels down there. And they're like, oh, thank God, water. But they open them and it's barrels of gunpowder. Yeah. And a gate closes behind them. So it's another trap it's of the a trap inside a trap. So the Phantom asks, will she, bre- will she be the bride of Eric? Or watch her lover die. And he shows her this weird-ass box. I don't understand the point of this whatsoever. It has a sculpture of a scorpion in it and a sculpture of a grasshopper. Like, big. They're like, it looks like maybe 12 inches long or something. And he says, if she turns the scorpion, they will marry. And if she turns the grasshopper, the opera house gets blown up. Wait a minute. Okay. Okay. It's some jigsaw nonsense at this point. There's no... It doesn't pay off in any way. I really don't understand it. Okay. So she agonizes, but then she turns the scorpion because she wants to save everybody. I'll marry everybody. you to save everybody, yeah. Uh, which drains the black pond outside. Good God. But makes the water pour into the chamber where the dudes are now. Oh, no. So it's going to drown them. And she can hear them screaming and freaking out. And she finally says that she will do anything if he saves them. And then he instantly, like this is all he wanted to hear, like throws up this rug that was on the floor and opens a panel in the floor where the dudes are right there because they were like trying to like be in the five inches where there's not water. So he opens it and their faces are like right there. And uh, they come out. She rushes to Raul and holds him, which pisses off the phantom slash makes him sad. He's like, yeah. or whatever so during all this the mob who was upset that he killed that guy has found the chamber and now they are all rushing in the phantom hears them and locks the door to the abode grabs christine and runs through the tunnels that were like behind the rooms he has in there up to the surface now this part is so awesome and so crazy and freaky that it might be my favorite part of it he um, he commandeers the carriage that Ra- Raul had waiting outside for them and drives away with her in the back. He looks truly scary and unhinged. He's like, yeah, yeah, into the horse to make them go like really fast. Like the headless horseman. Yes. He's like laughing and frantically running the horses, like making them go really fast. And she was passed out at some point during this. She passed out like in the carriage. Like fainted or something. Yeah. yeah. And then she wakes up and she's like freaking out, obviously. Um, so much happens in this. I know this guy does not know how to drive this goddamn carriage. And eventually it just tips over and she falls out. And I was very surprised to see that they were still on the streets of Paris. Cause the way they were going, I thought they'd made it to like the countryside. Like yeah. everything was like totally dark, but they, but I mean, it just made it look so scary. So I'm yeah. thrilled, but they're just still on like the, you know, lamplit streets of Paris or whatever. So she falls out and, um, the mob is like coming after him so he runs away he's like oh god i don't have time i have to run because he's gonna get killed or whatever and raul comes to christine and they embrace and that's the last we see of them it's like this is their happy it's ending in a minute she's at least safe they're both safe there together whatever okay so he runs away with the mob chasing him with torches and they get him cornered by the seine river and he stops them there. So there's like 
two staircases coming down and him in the middle on like a little platformy thing that you would look at the river or whatever. And he stops him and he raises his hand in the air and he's looking at his hand like he's got something in it and that they should like not come closer because he's got something or whatever. And then he just opens it and reveals that there's nothing there and that he's just screwing with them and starts cracking up. And so then they come from either side and just start beating him and throw him in the river. Oh, my God. And you see bubbles come up from the river. And then there's a screen that says Finis. Wow. So he played one last theatrical trick. To have one last moment where he felt in power over everybody. Yeah, and knew that it was the end. And so just like showed it off. Like, I got you guys, laughed in their faces, and then essentially let... Well, no, it would happen anyway, but like... brutally... Yes, I was going to say let them kill him, but like they would get anyway. But yeah, mm -hmm. and thrown in the sun. that is the other difference from the book, is that in the book, Eric, I guess, gets away and dies of a broken heart instead of the mob throwing him in the sun. Instead of a broken everything. (laughs) Yes. Wow. This is... What a story, man. It's good. It's good. It's worth watching. I'm in. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you. I know. I really lucked out when I lost this game because I would never have wanted to watch this in a million years. Mm-hmm. I truly thought that I was going to watch it for like 20 minutes and then skip to like, even though old, <laughs> which is a, a minus for me, a more conventional movie. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I ended up liking it so much that I was like, I'm just going to do Amazing. this. Amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm definitely watching this. Yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. It's good. Um, well done, Raj. Thank you. Well told and and fascinating. Yeah, what it's a, very good. Hats off to launch it. He looks so scary, especially in that scene. Yeah, like on the. There were multiple times watching this where I was like, "This is so cool." I yeah. can't believe this is just out here from like 1925. Just must, sitting on two. This must have freaked the hell out of people. Yeah, it's good. I um did it did it. Uh, this is partly like a setup for a joke or something, but. Did it expand a horizon for you in some way? Like, would you have any curiosity of a looking at, at other things of the time? Or I think that I would still be resistant because okay. I'm just yeah. stubborn and set in my ways. But I now know that I can perfectly well be. I, I've experienced being pleasantly surprised. I obviously knew I could be, but now sure. that I've experienced it, I would say I'm more likely. Yeah, it's affirming. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to say to me? Um. Good job, old if, sport. Thank you. Or. <laughs> uh teaching you teaching you no 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 okay anyway that is the end of guide to the unknown we really forever you no never we really hope you enjoyed the episode and we will be back next week for another one as we said you can find tons more at patreon.com slash gttupod we would love to have you over there and you can also find us on social media i am at chillin Kristen. i'm at the myth traveler mm-hmm. that was a thrill ride raj yeah i greatly enjoyed fun. that good um i uh everybody google lon cheney yes. phantom of the opera you gotta see the makeup in all likelihood i feel like you'll you might be like oh I, i've seen this before definitely because it is a very very famous image mm-hmm. but it's worth looking at again if you haven't seen it in a while it is Holy and guacamole. seriously I, I have no idea if this is even clipped out so i'm not telling you to like you know it'll be there but like Try looking up like Phantom of the Opera 1925 carriage scene or something. Yeah. He is unhinged. I, I can't wait. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely going to watch this. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and Lon Chaney also is like like film, horror film, especially royalty. Yeah. Um, and then Lon Chaney Jr., yeah. his son, would go on to be in the later 
universe the the universal monster movies that people think of as being universal monster movies yep. where he's like the wolf man right um, this is universal and then they remade it mm-hmm. and added a score to it first it was still like dialogue silent but they i think they colorized it oh, and added a score okay and then remade it with dialogue and changed a lot of it yeah um but yeah, it is in the universal vein. Yeah, I always, I was always surprised because I did think that he was a love man, I not think, a, not a, not a killer, a sick, a sicky. Um, I think maybe he's only a love man, and like I said, like a very questionable gray. They often call it, um, like yeah. romance interest. I think just starting in. Yeah, the by, to be play. clear, by love man, <laughs> what I mean by that no, well-known I know, I know. phrase is a monster who's not really a monster. He's a misunderstood uh, love person. Yeah, <laughs> Which he, does nothing to define what I just said. But like Beauty and the Beast. He wants love. He wants love. All yeah. he ever wanted was love. And he's truly nice if you just get to know him. If only yeah. someone would get to know him. So that was like the Disney Beauty and the Beast. I, I think it's more ambiguous where he has killed and stuff. And yet she loves him for all his faults. I think. I okay. Think. But no, know. it sounds what you just described to me appropriately like he is a goddamn monster. Mm-hmm. And maybe there were times in his life previously where things could have been different, except he continually was s- sometimes forced and mostly chose yeah. paths of evil and violence and control and abuse. Yeah, I mean, which is what a monster like... is. That makes him that makes him a universal monster. I was curious yes. about that. Yes, it seems like maybe in his early life he was a victim of circumstance. Yeah. If he was born with these physical characteristics that other people don't have. And I guess he was also born during the Boulevard Massacre. Yeah. Whatever the hell that is. Yeah. But then he made terrible choices. Okay, interesting. Just terrible things. Uh, well, Dynamite, everybody. Yeah. We, we've all, our lives have all been enriched, I feel. Yes, definitely. Um, Yet, I'm now a scholar of the arts. You are. It's mm-hmm. true, Kristen. It's true. Yeah. Uh, so thank you all so much for hanging out with us. Please yeah. consider leaving this podcast a review if you've enjoyed what you heard yeah i'd love that uh we'd greatly greatly appreciate that go check out patreon.com slash gttu pod to one support us two gain access to our discord and get to know other people in our little community here and three get access to a ton of shows if you do it Mm -hmm. um check out those tiers everybody patreon.com slash gttu pod we'll see you next week for uh uh, i think we're gonna uh hit the streets so to speak i'll tell you why okay i'll tell you why the rest of you are just gonna have to wait and see what happens it's a mystery to me right now as well but until we next meet we must travel back to the netherworld go we Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, loved that. Oh, good. I, I dare say I'd be I was curious shocked. to. I really was genuinely very surprised. I think someday I could envision us doing a, a look at the adaptations of that, because I love that yeah. as like this is what it was. Right. And then I'm curious because it's also like one of the most parodied things in the world, yeah. where it's like the mask is such a perfect icon and like shorthand for what this is yes absolutely i i'd be curious i could see this being like a fun yeah i would i think the main draw i will say there were a lot of other cool things but lon cheney's look itself yeah definitely is definitely, definitely like so weird and appealing to look at well i am also curious to see if they did indeed defang it to make it be that like oh you're just oh just nobody understood you you're, I think you're, a, so. you're a good boy Maybe not until Broadway, but I, th- I think kind of. Yeah, I'm curious about yeah. that. Well, we shall see someday. I, I dare say. Yeah. I don't know. I dare say. I dare say. <laughs>